Welcome to this episode of Talking Theology Along the Way. I'm Dustin Coleman. I'm John Candler. I'm Jonathan Woodyard. And our aim is to help real-life people think theologically through real-life problems for God's glory and our everlasting joy. On this episode of Talking Theology Along the Way, we want to talk about parenting. Two things are particularly true. Number one, parenting is hard. And number two, there's not a lot of explicit do's and don'ts in the Bible to help us through all the different things with parenting. So we want to take this episode and talk a little bit about parenting, specifically certain frustrations that might come up or certain challenges that come up in parenting and how we have used the Bible to help us address those particular issues. So all three of us are parents. Jonathan, how many kids do you have? What are that boy, girl, ages? Yeah, I have two children. I have two boys. Calvin is 10 years old and Caleb is seven. And then John, number of kids, ages? Yeah, I've got three boys. James is five, soon to be six. Jeremiah is two. And then Jude is seven months. Seven months. And then I'm evening out the other side of the scale. I've got all girls. So I've got four girls. Maddie is eight, almost nine. Ellie is six. Molly's four. And Charlotte is two. So we have most of our kids are 10 and or I guess all of our kids are 10 and under. So we're going to be talking specifically about some issues that might come up more for younger kids. But I think you guys can tell me if you agree. I think a lot of the principles we're going to talk about, you can extend them out, maybe in different situations, but you can extend them out to older kids too. Sure, no doubt about it. I think parenting your children is something I listen to older parents, parents who have older kids, something you never stop doing. And uh, you may be dealing with a 10-year-old today, but if the Lord gives them years, you're dealing with an 18-year-old eight years from now, but the same principles apply when it comes mm. to trying to shepherd their hearts. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to be taking just a couple of challenges that come up in, in parenting and then thinking together, talking together about how we bring the Bible in to address those particular particular challenges. So the first challenge I wanted us to talk about is lack of gratitude in our kids. How often guys have, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. We had this yesterday. I don't want to clean up. <laughs> I mean, you guys hear that all the time, don't you? Every day. <laughs> Every day. At supper time, at cleanup time, whatever. There's uh, Kids aren't naturally grateful. <laughs> kids aren't naturally thankful. They're prone to complain about different things. John, what are, what are some ways that you have approached that particular challenge in parenting your boys? Yeah, so one of the things that we're aiming to do in in our household is cultivate gospel-centered kids, and we want to create gospel characters in in our kids uh, that will one day be receptive to the gospel. And one of the characteristics that that we really want to cultivate in our kids is the characteristic of thankfulness. Uh, we we hate yeah. grumbling. Uh, we hate complaining because the Lord hates it. And you can read mm. throughout the book of Numbers. Uh, it's a book that shows Israel's ungrateful 
lack of gratitude, complaining lifestyle, and it's filled with nothing but God's discipline on his people. Uh, so, so John, we, you're bringing in numbers into the parenting. Numbers. Yeah. 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 And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that maybe, maybe in a minute if we, if we uh, stay on this track. But uh, yeah, we're trying to create kids who are, who are thankful. And, and so a couple of things that we do, we constantly will use verses like 1 Thessalonians 5.18 in our home. Uh, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We're, we're trying to remind our kids and show our kids uh, that thankfulness is something that the Lord commands, and it's something that that pleases the Lord. That thankfulness is a characteristic of a, of a gospel person, right? Because gospel people are people who understand that everything that we have in this world, uh, from the very breath that we're breathing to the toys that are in front of us, to the salvation that we have in Jesus. Everything that we have is a gift of God that we don't deserve. And the only right response to these unmerited favors is is gratitude for God and appreciation for His grace and mercy to us. And so we want to use these verses to help cultivate thankfulness in in our kids. Mm -hmm. Other things that we do, just briefly, is... We try to make it a habit to encourage our kids when they are thankful. Mm, yeah. When when they do something well, we want to be cheerleaders that affirm godly characteristics uh, in their lives, including thankfulness. And so we'll celebrate that and we'll say, hey, you realize what you just did there? You You were thankful. You didn't complain. This honored God. This honored mommy and daddy we encourage this kind of behavior and these kind of attitudes. And then oftentimes another thing that we'll do that, that kind of lands on our kids. Well, is going back to numbers. My kids love the story in numbers 21 uh, in their children's storybook Bible. It's called the snake on a stick. And uh, you all, all know the story of how uh, the Israelites were rebelling against God and God sends serpents out. And he says, fiery serpents. Yeah. yeah. The fiery serpents, that's right. So they lift them up on a stick and they said, all who look to the serpents lift, lifted up will be saved. And my kids love that story. And so we get to go to that story to talk about thankfulness and how Israel was unthankful and how God is displeased with it. And, and, and those kinds of stories often land on them more profoundly than don't be unthankful or, or don't grumble, kind of a prophetic way of going about it, kind of like Nathan and David. So those are just a few things that we do in our house. Yeah, that's helpful, John. What I really loved about what you said was trying to create gospel persons and how gospel people respond to life and, and gratefulness, thankfulness being just a characteristic of somebody who has tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Uh, they have tasted the grace of God. They've been gri- given the grace of God. They've embraced the grace of God in Christ Jesus and and are just a profoundly grateful people. And it is something that you deal with when you're parenting children at any age, I think, Dustin, it goes back to your uh, initial question or question earlier on about how some of the principles we're talking about here apply no matter what age your children are, uh, Mm. that you're always wanting to help your kids understand the blessings that they have and how thankful they should be. So uh, we're dealing with a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old now uh, and trying to help them 
see that they should be grateful and thankful for the many blessings that God has given them, that they're born into a family that loves Jesus, that they have food on the table, that they have parents that love them. And so that's something that you're teaching a seven-year-old and 10-year-old. And when you are 15 or 16 or 17 or 18, and I remember my own life, that's still a, a lesson uh, that I had to continually try and learn and can, people continue to impress upon me. But not just then, I'm 40 now or going to be 40, and I'm still having to learn to be thankful and grateful. And it is something that God commands. And so John had mentioned that this is the will of God that would be a thankful people. I think of Colossians 3.15, just three words, and be thankful. Those are not suggestions. These are commands. And so in encouraging children to be grateful and thankful people, we're calling them to be obedient. This is an obedience issue that we are called, commanded to be thankful. And Christians have the biggest reason to be thankful, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Something that you said earlier, Jonathan, that was really helpful to me was you were saying we want to be giving them reasons why they should be thankful. So sometimes when we tell our kids what they had to be thankful for, it's in response to them being ungrateful. So we're almost taking a defensive posture. But I think it's also healthy for us with not in a in an example of correction, but just saying, hasn't God been good to our family? Pointing out evidences of grace and his mercy and his goodness to us, not to correct them for being ungrateful, but just as we're sitting around the table at dinner, God has been good to our family. Look at the love that's here. Look at the home that we have. Look at the food that we have. God has been good to us. Yeah, sometimes I think we want to take the offensive and not just be defensive in parenting. If like you, Jonathan, you brought out, this is great. Thankfulness is a command. You know, this is not just don't be unthankful. It's be thankful, and so we want to cultivate it as well as guard against being unthankful. I'll tell you, just a, a, somebody who modeled this for me is Sam Crabtree, and just and he modeled it in the way he prayed. So Sam Crabtree is one of the pastors of Bethlehem Baptist Church. He wrote a book called uh, Practicing Affirmation. He also has a book on parenting that uh, just came out, I think, last year that a lot of people don't know about. It's out by Crossway, and uh, the, the exact name of the title escapes me right now. But it's the same type of ideas, uh, pressing into parenting and, and affirming your kids. But one of the ways that Sam modeled this grati- this life of gratitude, this life of thankfulness, was in the way he prayed. He would pray. Uh, we'd be in his office or we'd be at his house. And there'd be, I remember one particular instance on the table was a bottle of water, a cheap bottle of water. And as we started to pray, the first thing he did was praise God and thank him for water. <laughs> he's just he's looking at his surroundings he's just aware and it wasn't abnormal he did that all the time uh, and so he was just aware of God's kindness towards him and he articulated it on a continual basis that's helpful John you have any other thoughts before we move on to another challenge anything you wanted to add here yeah just to reinforce some of the things that, that y'all were saying it's really hard to be ungrateful and grumbling when you're thinking in light of a, a thankful attitude. And so cultivating a home where you're constantly thanking God as parents, setting the example before your kids is one of those things that, that just helps shapes the culture of your home. Because if you're a parent who constantly complains, your kids are probably going to learn 
that complaining is okay from you. Mm. And if you're setting the example and you are being thankful in your home and you're encouraging thankfulness and gratitude because of what we have been given in Christ, uh, that will be a tremendous way for your kids to learn thankfulness as well. That's good. That's good. Moving on to the the second challenge, and this one is is probably related to the first one. But Jonathan, you and I were talking a little bit uh, a few weeks ago about kids at the dinner table. And this is one that I'm in right now because Beth and I were talking the other day, and it seems like at least once a night, one of our kids is complaining about what we have for supper. I don't like this. This isn't my favorite. They'll take one bite and I'm not hungry, but then they'll want to have their dessert. And sure. uh, So challenge number two is kids at the dinner table and, and how we handle them not wanting to eat, complaining about yeah. eating. Uh, Jonathan, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it ties into what we've been talking about. I want to cult- I want to cultivate or help cultivate in the life of my children uh, gratitude, thankfulness for what they have. And one of the things they have is food on the table. And that's not something that uh, everybody in this world knows. There is poverty. There is lack. There are families that don't have three meals a day. There are families who can't run to the cupboard or the refrigerator every time they want to snack, right? So so I think we want to sit down at the dinner table and cultivate this this sense of gratitude for God's provision. And yet at the same time, I think we have to be careful uh, not to provoke our children, right? I mean, two times Paul writes to two different churches and calls uh, fathers and I think uh, moms and dads not to provoke their children, right? And so Ephesians 6, Colossians 3, uh, we're called not to provoke our children to anger uh, lest they become discouraged is how Paul tells the Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. And so I want to cultivate that sense of gratitude. And yet I need to know my children. I need to I need to take into account what they like, what they dislike. And if I'm constantly putting food in front of them that they don't like, uh, don't enjoy, then that could provoke my children to anger. It, it works against cultivating a sense of gratitude and it creates just open, often open hostility. So so I think when we come to the dinner table, navigating that idea that I have children who are different, who have different tastes right now that will change over time. And if I want to cultivate gratitude, then I should I should play to their strengths. I should say, I know what they like. So why don't I give them an option that would be agreeable to them? And I'm not saying you don't challenge kids, try new things. So all those nuances that we would put in it, but why not put something in front of them that they can say, oh, I love this. And it works with them, not against them. And so with, with the idea that we want to challenge them to eat more food or try different foods, yes, that's there. I, I want them to try this or that or try Brussels sprouts or broccoli or whatever. Those are those things are right and good, but I also think that, that there's a way for us to work with our kids that would be more helpful than sometimes we put plate in front of kids and say, you eat that or you go to bed hungry and you just need to be thankful. And I think that can be approached foolishly. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I think. Go ahead, John. Jonathan, I, w- I would say that I, I agree with what you just said wholeheartedly. You know, I don't think you have to like something to be thankful for it. I think about different things that happen throughout 
the scripture. And we're called to give thanks in all things. And so there are going to be times when life is difficult uh, because we live in a fallen world. And people are going to get sick, for example. People are going to die. We're going to be sinned against. We're going to sin against people. And yet we know that in all of these things, God is working things out for the good of those who love who love him and are called according to his purposes. And so we can be thankful in all things without necessarily having to, to like, if you will, all things. And I think that's the, th- the same with food. We're really going for the heart and, and not for the, for the mouth. And so, as you said, we all have different palates. We all have different preferences, things that we like and things that we don't like. I'm a meat and potatoes kind of guy. I'm not a salad kind of guy. That's my preferences. My <laughs> wife is the opposite. You know, we're, we just have different preferences. But even at the same time, when you come to the dinner table, one of the things that I'm looking for in my kids is, are they sitting down and are they saying whether or not they like the food, are they recognizing that mom spent time preparing the food and she went or to the dad. grocery store or dad, and is, or dad. That's, that's right. I cook occasionally. We know how things go in John's household. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie is a great cook. She is a, a blessing in that, in that area, but we're looking for our kids to look back and at the meal and to be thinking about, you know, others to say, Hey, I didn't cook this meal. This was provided for me. And whether or not I like it, uh, I'm thankful that God was gracious to me to, to provide the food. Sure. Which means you have to model it, right? I mean, wanting our kids to respond that way means we need to respond that way. When we go to somebody's house for dinner or we, or whatever the case may be, or even if it's our own house, when food comes to the table, are we expressing thankfulness? Are, are we expressing our gratitude? Are we praying and expressing our gratitude to God for the meal that's in front of us? And so this is, you know, not just telling kids what to do, but modeling it in our own lives. A couple of things that you guys mentioned that I thought were good. I wanted to pull out. Jonathan, you were mentioning earlier, not exasperating our kids. I think sometimes because we don't want to have to deal with stuff, we might say things that we, we hope to get a quick response, but they actually incite the kids to anger. So this is a little bit cliche, but saying things like, hey, there's starving kids in Africa, so eat that thing you don't like. Well, that's probably not going to to serve them well, just to, to throw that out there and expect obedience. And like you said, if we know that our kids, so one of our kids doesn't like pasta right now. Well, if we know that, and this is a repeated thing. Well, let's not saying we got to get rid of pasta altogether, but let's try to keep it at a minimum so that we can we can serve her. It's so not exasperating them. And then John, you were talking about going after the heart. And I think the dinner table is a is a great way to do that and to think about my goal here is not just to get this young girl to eat pasta or to eat chicken or to eat whatever. I want to go after the things in her heart that are motivating her. So I want to be thinking as a parent, what's motivating this rejection of this food? Is it fear? They're afraid of trying something different. They're afraid of 
being uncomfortable or having something bad in, in their mouth and they're not going to like it, that they need to overcome. Like at our fa- in our family, there's no try it one time and you like it. You have to try something five times before we'll believe you if you don't like it. Because I know when I was a kid, if I didn't want to eat something, I had to try one bite. I'd just shove it in real quick, drink it down, say I didn't like it. But I want them to overcome that. Or is it Am I sensing a lack of gratitude toward their mother who worked hard? I mean, is there anything more frustrating than you spent an hour cooking supper and you sit it down in front of somebody after being on your feet and they're like, I don't like this. So they're not cultivating a healthy respect and thankfulness toward their mother. So those are the things I want to get at rather than you'll eat it and you'll like it. I want to go after the heart. That's good. Yeah, we're always aiming at the heart. That's good. So a third, third challenge that I wanted us to think through is repeated disobedient behavior. So particular things that, I mean, we all know our kids wrestle with different stuff. You guys agree with that? Sure. There's particular besetting sins. So all of us have multiple kids. Our kids don't all wrestle with the same thing. Some of them are shared struggles, but I can probably ask you guys, what does Calvin struggle with particularly? What does Caleb struggle with particularly? What does Jeremiah struggle with particularly? They all have different patterns of repeated disobedient behavior. What what counsel could you guys offer in addressing that particular issue? Well, I, I think I'd start by linking that idea to myself and to every person on the planet. We all have... <laughs> particularly besetting sins. We all have particular struggles. We all are unique individuals uh, that have different problems and uh, our kids are no different. And so one of the things that, that helps me keep from getting frustrated, even though I don't do that perfectly, I often get frustrated, but one of the, in my better moments, so to speak, one of the things that helps me from getting frustrated is to remember my own struggles and my own repeated sins and to remember the long suffering nature of God, that he is patient with me, even though I make the same, seemingly make the same mistakes over and over and over again, yet God's patient with me. He's kind, he's gracious, he's merciful, he's forgiving. And so I think as we just generally approach our kids and their sins and they're sinning in the same ways over and over and over again, that we aren't surprised by this because we experience this in our own life. And so I think if you begin there, remember that, that uh, you think of God as father and you are his child and he has to look at you every day and he sees the same struggles over and over and over again. And his response is not to stiff arm you. His response is not to throw his hands up in the air His response is not to yell and scream or throw something across the room. His response to us is grace. It's mercy. Uh, When people frustrate us, whether it's our kids or people we work with or people in our churches, then our response should be that of someone who is seeking to image God. We keep giving grace. We keep giving mercy. We keep exercising patience. And so I think that those are some helpful places to begin uh, as you approach your children. I think that's good. That's Colossians 3. God has been kind. He's been patient to you. Therefore, 
be kind and patient and forgiving and long-suffering toward each other. Beth and I talk about that sometimes. What's the, what's the thing that I think every parent has said this? How many times have I told you X? Or you know better than that. And Beth and I try to remind ourselves, we do things that we know better than to do every yeah. day. <laughs> but when we see it in our kids, because it has a, a frustrating impact on us, then we, we get exasperated. But I think that's, I, I mean, I think that might be the key thing to take away from this podcast is to think about how God relates to us first and make sure that that's the foundation that shapes the way that we think about our relationships with everybody else, including that's right. our kids. I mean, I think, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? John Piper would say that he has however many billion image bearers there are on this earth, right? So there are what, 7 billion people on the planet. So you've got 7 billion mirrors that are meant to be mirrors pointing back, reflecting the God of creation. And Christians are those who have been redeemed and are new creations in Christ. And we should be reflections of our God. And as he uh, is our father and responds to us, one of the ways we put him on display for the world to see is the way that we respond to our children. Uh, And as he responds in patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and love and self-control and all those fruits of the spirit or the fruit of the, the fruit of the spirit we find in Galatians 5. So we should too display those fruits towards our children. John, how, uh, what are some ways that you address this issue with your kids? We pray a lot. Mm. Jonathan, you were just mentioning, both you guys were mentioning how we are people created in the, in the image of God but we live in a, in a fallen world and we're all sinners. Uh, our kids are sinners. We are sinners uh, and we're dead in our sins apart from the grace of God, uh, which means that disobedience is going to, to happen. And it's going to happen a lot mm-hmm. apart from God's redeeming work in our lives and in our kids' lives to bring about hearts that are, satisfied and delighted in God and in obeying him and in obeying him through honoring mother and father uh, in our kids. Uh, And so one of the things that, that I'm reminded of constantly is the need for God to work in the life of, of my kids, just as I pray for myself and for my wife and for, for many others our kids need new hearts and they need to believe the gospel. And so we're, we're constantly praying and and asking the Lord to, to be merciful and to give those new hearts that will delight in, in obedience because apart from it, we're just, we're dead in our sins. That's good. Uh, Just a quick thought to to add to that. I think is a really important point as we're dealing with our children prior to them coming to faith in Jesus We have to remember as we respond to their sins and their repeated sins that these are kids that are dealing with their sin nature and are walking through this present evil age without the help of the Spirit. They do not have the presence of God's Spirit within them, strengthening them to fight against their sin. I mean, do you realize that when we're fighting sin and we're overcoming sin, if you're a Christian, who's living inside of you? The spirit of the risen Christ is inside of you, strengthening you. 
we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, but it is God who works in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And he does so by the spirit where our children don't have that spirit. And so their ability to fight is infinitely hampered. I think, yeah, I think that's so important. Jonathan, you and I were riding a couple of years ago down to a conference and Jason Meyer, who's the pastor at Bethlehem Baptist, was was in the bus with us. And he had a bunch of young guys around them and he was just giving out some great parenting wisdom. The thing that stuck out to me the most that he said was, he said, the most important thing my wife and I are learning is knowing what to do when we don't know what to do. And what he meant by that was when we feel at our wits end and we feel like we don't know how to address this issue, we've got to train ourselves to learn that's when you pray. When you've told them 10 times and there's no obedience and when you don't know exactly what you need to do to pray. And I have found that that has been helpful in multiple ways in dealing with our kids. Number one, just what you guys are talking about. I've been able to use that to teach our kids to ask God to give them the heart. We tell them, you know, the reason why you're disobedient to daddy, the reason why you hit your sister is because you have a heart that's bent on yourself. Let's ask God to give us a heart that respects daddy, like God says. Let's ask God to give us a heart to love my sister more than I love this this piece of plastic. And it also gives me an opportunity to confess my sin and ask for my help. Daddy was wrong when I used that frustrated tone or when my, when my face got angry. And I need God to help me do that too. So having the, to, to realize sometimes the best thing to do is just stop what's going on and pray. Sometimes my kids are too frustrated and they're not praying with me, but I, I'm at least showing them this is what you do when you're frustrated and getting at the end of, end of your rope. Well, I did want to end this podcast asking you guys to give one or two books that you have found to be most helpful in parenting. They don't necessarily have to be parenting books, but let's give those who are listening a couple of recommendations of books that can help them in dealing with these issues and, and some other ones. So Jonathan, what are some, what are some books you'd recommend? I'm just going to mention one and it's by Sam Crabtree, who I mentioned earlier in its practicing affirmation. It's a gold mine of resources for how you can speak edifying words to your children as you encourage them to live for Jesus. John, got a book or two you would, you would recommend? I actually just finished reading that book that Jonathan was speaking of practicing affirmation. And it is a treasure trove that I'm looking forward to applying in my family. Another book that I would recommend, particularly if your kids like sports and caveat, the author is also my pastor, but it's a really practical (laughs) book using sports to help uh, cultivate character in your kids and in your family. It's a little book called In the Arena, uh, written by uh, Pastor David Prince. I would give a couple Ted Tripp's books on shepherding, instructing a child's heart. They're helpful. Age of Opportunity by Paul Tripp is for more teenagers and smaller kids. And that has been extremely helpful in helping some of the parents in our church who have who have older teenagers. But the last one that I would say is I think it's important for parents to read biographies of great Christian men and women. Not necessarily for the parenting advice, but just to see the aim of these people's lives. So right now I'm reading through the Gates of Splendor to see the the bend of Jim Elliott's life. 
or when I read The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom, or It Is Not Death to Die about Hudson Taylor, it helps keep my heart knowing these are the kinds of people I want to raise. These are the kind of people I want to be, and these are the kind of kids that, that I want to, to raise, grow up to be people like that. Well, thank you guys for listening. For Jonathan and John and I, we appreciate uh, you guys tuning in, and we look forward to being with you guys next time. Mm-hmm.